who you are, God. That's who you are. That's who you are independent of me. It's who you are independent of circumstance. It's who you are independent of this world. You are good. That it's your goodness that draws us to repentance. It's your goodness that leads us to the cross. It's your goodness that gave us everything that we have in our life. God, it's your goodness that allows us to be who we are. Our purpose is obtained because you're good. Today, God, we as a church, we just acknowledge it. We sing about it. We stand in reverence of it. We're in awe of it because we don't deserve it, and yet you give it. So God, today, as we celebrate our four years as a church, God, we, we just stand in awe of your goodness, of your faithfulness, and all the times that we felt like we weren't going to make it. It was your goodness that brought us through. It was your goodness that said, don't give up. It was your goodness that held our hand. It was your goodness that caught our tears. It was your goodness that helped keep our faith. And so today, God, we just stand in awe of your presence. Thank you for today. Thank you that we're here with you. Thank you that we're, we're here to celebrate you and all that you've done in our lives. God, we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody shout amen. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, welcome everybody to Rise Church. You are here on a good day because it's our four-year anniversary as a church today. And uh, I was thinking about it because I was like, you know, somebody asked me to say, well, you know, how do you feel about, you know, the church going four years and I said what's well, four years longer than I thought it would make it um, I remember if, I, it's, I, if you're a guest in here man, I'm so happy you're here uh, you're in here on a, a unique week because this is like our family day and uh, and so I'm so happy you're here I, I, at our family so we do like family dinner but at our family dinners we invite people in that are not family to show them what family could be. And so that's kind of like what you're here for today. And we're excited that you're here. And my hope, we always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. Yeah, we do that because we, we, want, we want you to come back to get a full experience and, uh, and to see us and what it would be like. But I, I just remember, I remember uh, I was, we were having dinner um, a couple of weeks ago and we were able to tell somebody our, our story, our family, our story about how we, we, we come to be. And uh, there was a time where my wife and I, uh, this, this platform wasn't here, but I was standing on this platform and there was a time where I stood on this platform and I did not know if, it's so easy, I think for me to take advantage of the goodness of God and not remember um, what, what could not have been. And um, for those of you who know our story, this, this rises the story of, what thing, uh, of things that shouldn't have been. Like, we shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be a pastor and my wife shouldn't be here. And 
uh, our church shouldn't be in this place changing lives and it just makes me thankful I'm grateful for you and I'm grateful for our church and for our, our team and you know for everybody who kind of stood by us while we were struggling and uh so I'm happy today. I know it doesn't seem like it, but I'm happy. <laughs> like, Pastor, you're, you're tearing up. No, I'm happy. These are happy tears. Um, I'm just grateful for God. Um, and I celebrate our, our anniversary. It's really your anniversary. It's your, it's your church. It's not ours. It's not mine. I, don't, I always say it like that. It's not my church. You're not my people. You're God's church. You're God's people. And uh, I'm going to try to do it one more year. How about that? And then next year, we'll try it again. And we'll do it again. So I reapplied with my wife. I applied for the pastorship. You'd be happy to know she went ahead and approved it. And uh, uh, tonight uh, we're uh, we're gonna have. A, if you're a leader in our church, we celebrate team night. And um, and so if you don't serve, um, this announcement's not for you. But if it's a team night, if you serve at our church, we're gonna be getting together with one of our board members and he's going to be here and he's one of my pastors and so it's going to be awesome we're going to have a good time tonight and it's going to be good but um we are wrapping up a series all that's done we're going to be wrapping up a series called i just can't and um we've been talking several last few weeks about you know how hard it is to live in this world right now because um it's, it's tough it can be stressed out is anybody if you were like telling the truth is anybody feel just a little stressed today? Just a little, anybody a little stressed? Just have a little bit of just anxiety, a little bit of pressure, a little bit of, yeah. And most people, if they're honest, they're, they know that that's true. And so we talked about it. We wanted to talk about what God has to say about being stressed out and worried and overwhelmed. And, and so week one, we talked about how to keep going when you can't. Week two, we talked about how to think when you can't. How many of y'all know our thoughts matter? Last week, we talked about how to pray when you can't, because I answered the question. Here's what I always tell. Like, I think the most unkind thing you can do when somebody's going through something is like, man, you should pray about that. I get what you're saying, but like, I think one of the most kind things you can do is grab their hands and actually pray, actually petition God. But sometimes we don't know what to say. Sometimes we don't know what to say to God. I don't, sometimes I get frustrated. Sometimes I get kind of tired of praying. I know that sounds crazy. Like what a pastor would ever say that. But I kind of like, man, I don't know what to say anymore. So I kind of gave us some ideas about how to pray last week. This week, we're going to talk a little unique about, um, I think it's, um, I think it's kind of cool how they lined up. But on our four year anniversary, we're going to talk about how to stay connected to the local church um, and how to stay connected to each other. Because I think one of the most important things you can do when you feel like you're overwhelmed and stressed out, when you feel like you can't, is you need to be connected with somebody. And so um, if, if, if you struggle with that, like I do, and like I'm a high eye personality, I actually get life from people, but when I'm stressed out, I like, to, I like to hermit. Anybody like to turtle in? Anybody else like me? They're like, all right, I'm stressed out. I need no one, want no one. And uh, that's, not, that's, not, that's not good. And I wanna give us just a recap of how to do that. And so uh, we're gonna be in Ezekiel chapter 47. Now, Ezekiel chapter 47, if you don't know anything about the Bible, the Bible is broken up into two parts. You have the Old Testament, you have the New Testament. Ezekiel is in the Old Testament. And, and in the Old Testament, it's a unique book of, of there's prof, prophetic books and there's historical books. There's uh, the first five, they call the Pentateuch or the Torah. They, and, and so there's all kinds of categories of books. But Ezekiel is, is, a, is a prophetic book. And... Um, 
It's a complicated book. I would not encourage you, if you've never read the Bible, to start with Ezekiel, not necessarily. Um, if you want to, that's fine. But um, it's a unique book because um, it, it has a lot of prophecy in it. And in this particular part, so Ezekiel was, he was a man, so he was a, he was a prophet slash priest during the time where Babylon, Babylon was ransacking, kind of overthrowing Jerusalem kind of in the first century, around 597 BC. And um, the first part of the book is unique because it kind of goes through different warnings and I mean, really prophecies from Ezekiel to the people of Jerusalem. It's like, hey, turn from your wicked ways. Like, stop doing what you're doing because what you're doing is, is leading you to destruction. And you find out eventually that actually happens with Jerusalem. Babylon get, takes over. And um, towards the end of the book, you start to see Ezekiel's visions and prophecies turn a little bit. He starts to have visions of what life could be with God and what life could be. And some prophets or some theologians believe, you know, these are symbolic. Some people believe it's like literal, like what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. And, um, and there's a unique part in chapter 47 where he's being led on kind of like a tour. Anybody ever been on a tour before? Like where you, when you go on a tour, you have a tour guide. Yeah. And the tour guide in his vision is leading him through He's showing him this new temple and out of this temple, there's this water, there's this river that comes out of this temple and, and he starts to be led through the river. So I'm going to read it for you and you're going to be confused as all get out. But I'm going to try to explain it to us and give us some context to what, what we're saying. Ezekiel chapter 47, verse three says, and as the man, that's the tour guide, went eastward, he was measuring with his line in his hand. He measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through the water that was ankle deep. Ever say ankles? This is important. We're going to kind of, I'm going to give you some, some idea here. Then verse four says, he measured off another thousand cubits and led me through the water that was knee deep. Everybody say knees. All right. So it started at ankle and then you, you know, you get your knees and he measured off another thousand and led me through the water. Now it was up to their, their waist. Everybody say waist. Yeah, it was up to their waist. And then on verse five, he says, he measured off another thousand and now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. So I, I kind of highlighted deep enough because that'd be over your head. Everybody say over your head. Because when you're swimming in it, it's over your head. A river that no one could cross. Now, again, this is many theologians debate whether it's symbolic or literal. And if you take the symbolic meaning of that, you can see that it could potentially, um, some theologians believe it's the, it's the outpouring of God's spirit. And then at the end of days, you'll have people who are in it at different levels. And, and you could be in it ankle deep. You could be in it knee deep, you could be in it waist deep, or you can be in it over your head, where you're just fully enveloped by the goodness and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, um, and I really believe this. I believe we're going through a time of unprecedented outpouring of the Holy Spirit. If you think about it, think, just, think, just think about it from a literal translate, uh, standpoint. You know, like even right now, we're online, we're streaming all throughout the entire world. Our, our church. The, the, the gospel of Jesus has never been more prevalent and readily available. The river of God. In fact, the Bible often uses water as a description of God's spirit. So many theologians believe the outpouring of God's spirit is available to all of us, but not everybody's in it at the same level. Does that make sense? And where you're at, what level you're at is going to determine the experiences you have with God. And as we get through life, we're going to have to figure out how to navigate those waters. And that's going to be my my message today. So if you're having, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, how to stay connected when you can't today, how to stay connected when you can't. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, today that you have something to say to us. You have a word for us, God. And I know, Holy Spirit, you're going to speak to us. You're going to 
You're going to breathe on us like you never have. And I, I just pray that all of us in here are, are locked in, connected, and in tune with you. That our, our hearts would be open and our minds would be clear, ready to hear what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen, amen. I, um, I, I, I'm a very... Uh, experiential person, I guess you could say it like that. I love to go have an experience. It's kind of my thing. I like to go do stuff that I've never done and be around things that I've never done. And one of the things that one recent uh, about, I want to say, I think I was thinking about this recently. It was about 20 years ago, I think now, my wife took me on my very first whitewater rafting trip. Has anybody ever been whitewater rafting? Anybody at all? Anybody? Come on, just raise your hand like you may. Like we're part of a very exclusive club. You realize this? Because not everybody wants to go whitewater rafting. And, and I, I didn't know why not everybody wanted to go whitewater rafting until I went whitewater rafting. And uh, I realized that it was a very crazy experience. And um, about 20 years ago, my wife decided to take me on a little trip. And she's so good at surprising me for things. I, I think it was for my birthday, if I'm correct. And uh, so she took me on this trip. And we go out to this place. So I'm from California. Uh, please don't hold that against me. I live here now. I don't, I don't even tell people I live there before. Anymore. They're like, where are you from? Texas. So, uh, but I, I, live, I lived in California. I was born and raised there. And I, I lived in, up in the northern, kind of northern parts of California. There's a place called Humboldt County. And if you don't know anything about Humboldt County, Humboldt County is a unique place to go. Like if you want to go people watch, is anybody a people watcher person? Anybody like that? Yeah, go to the airport and watch people. And you're like, that's a, that, that guy's weird. And that lady, she don't look like she's, she's going through something. And then, you know, you just kind of like all. So Humboldt County is a great place to do it because there's some, I don't want to say weird. But they're weird, okay? So, like, there's just some weird people out there. And so um, we, we went out there, and uh, it's a place. Like, I'll just give you, a, like, an example. This is, like, the birthplace of granola, okay? Like, this is the exa- Everything you judge about California, you're like, when you think about California, you're like, that's the worst. It all pretty, pretty much came from Humboldt County. So, like, we, you go out there, and everybody out there is, like, wearing Birkenstocks. Everybody's, like, sunbeaten. Nobody's washed their hair in a long time. Everybody's kind of, like, living by, like, the term tree hugger, I'm pretty sure, came from Humboldt County. Okay. And so it was like pretty crazy. And so we were out there and we were walking around and it's kind of funny because, you know, you're kind of meeting people and it's like a unique culture and you're just talking to everybody and everybody's trying to talk to you about, you know, all natural everything. And, you know, Hey bro, you know, down with the government. And it's like, this is weird. You know, we're like in this weird place. And so, um, she booked me a whitewater rafting trip. I'll be, be honest with you. Humboldt County is a great place for whitewater rafts. It's kind of like the birth, like not the birthplace, but you know, just a really good place to do it. So it's got different kind of rivers. And so we go up there to, uh, um, kind of go on a whitewater rafting trip. We get there and she, she, so we, she books a tour to do that. And you can't just jump on the river because that's how you die. And so you have to go out there with people who know what they're doing. So we book a tour, a trip and we, we show up at the time. We get up at the time and we get there. And uh, I'm looking around at all these people that at our meeting place and they're all fairly look normal looking people. So I'm like, okay, cool. This is going to be a really good time. But I couldn't pick out my guide. I was trying to find out where our guide was. And I'm like, where's this guy at? Who's going to be taking us out on this trip? And I look over near a tree. <laughs> I look over near a tree and he's leaning up. This guy is leaning up against a tree, no shirt. Uh, he's kind of got jorts on, you know what I'm saying? Like jeans that are like cut off, je- like cut off short jeans, like jo- y'all know, right? Like jorts. And so he's, he's leaning up. He has no shoes on, no shirt. He's got crazy long hair, looks a little like homeless, you know, like, you, like this guy has been through some things. And uh, I'm like, that can't be our guide. There's no, that guy can't be our guide. So we're getting to the time he walks up and he goes, uh, Hey everybody, uh, 
I'm going to be your, your whitewater rafting tour guide today. And I, that made me nervous. I mean, how many of y'all know, like right off the bat, you're, now you're nervous. Now you're like, I'm already doing something dangerous, and this is the guy who's going to be leading us down the path of righteousness? No, this is not going to be good. And so I'm like, all right. So he's, he goes, he goes, my name is, I'm, I'm, he, he literally, my name is Sequoia. I'm like, I don't know if that's your real name, homie. I feel like that's a taken name. You know what I mean? Like, like you call me, Sequo- like his name's Sequoia. And uh, it's like, he looks like he makes his own granola. It's, it's all, it's just bad. And so he's like, man, I'm going to walk you through uh, all these kinds of things. And he starts walking us through the thing. And he pulls out a map and he shows us all this. I find it interesting that he goes, he's like showing all these turns have names, but the final turn, the final jump, I always find it funny that like Satan sponsors the final drop of every river. Have y'all noticed that? It's like Satan's crack or, you know, the devil's lair or something like that. I'm like, how did Satan get to sponsor, like how much is the sponsor of the turn, you know, the drop, you know, or whatever. And so we're at the end. And, uh, and so uh, we, we jump on, the, uh, believe it or not, we got on the white rod route. He was a great tour guide. You know, I make fun of Sequoia, but he was great at what he did. And we got on the thing, we get at the, at the end and, and we get through and I, I mean, I had a great time, but I noticed at the end of my, um, my, my tour, which we were walking off, I found it interesting that as I, we walk off, I looked at everybody's faces and everybody had something different. They had all, I had a great time. But as I looked around at everybody's face, not everybody had a great time. I looked at some people and they were like, that was the worst thing. I heard someone say that was the worst thing I had ever done in my entire life. We'll never, ever do that again. And I, I, heard, I heard other people talking about it. They're like, well, you know, that wasn't what I thought it would be. I saw some people were like, man, that was pretty cool. I saw some people were like, I almost died. I had some people were like, this, this, was, this was the single greatest experience of my life. I mean, you had the, 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 the gambit of, of what people had really experienced. And I thought it was interesting because it was all the same river. It was all the same boat. It was all the same guide. Yet we all experienced it differently. And I just noticed in life as a pastor, if I'm honest, um, one of the things that, 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 that I hear a lot is that we're all in the same river of life. We're all doing the, we're all basically kind of going the same direction. We're all trying to do fairly the same thing. But man, there are so many people who feel and look and are experiencing life differently than maybe even I'm doing, than you're doing. We all see it and feel it differently. And what I find interesting about being a Christian, I don't know if this is just me, but I find interesting about being a Christian is that when I gave my life to Christ, I felt like when I, I don't know if you're like me, but I feel like I made an agreement with God that he seems to have forgotten about from time to time. That when I gave my life to him, then he was supposed to make my life great. Or like, I thought at the very least, maybe some potential beam me up Scotty moment might've happened where I would've went to heaven, but it didn't happen. So I thought, okay, but then if, I'm not going to heaven, then you go, I'm going to have heaven down here. And I just thought it was interesting that even as a Christian, you can really struggle in life. Like, can we be honest? That's, that's a really hard thing for some of us to grasp, in, and especially if you're new to Christian, because if you're like new to Christianity, and pastors, we make this bad. Sometimes we sell you like, if you give your life to Jesus, no problems will ever happen to you ever. And then you give your life to Christ and you drive outside and you get a flat tire or you get into an accident or you lose your job. I mean, I've heard people, I've literally heard this. We, 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 I've done things where I've like encouraged people, hey, learn to give, learn to give, learn to give. And they've never given in their life. They finally give their tithe and then they lose their job the next day. I've, I've literally had that happen. And they're like, 
I thought you said, and I'm like, I'm just giving you the confessions of a pastor, you know? But not everybody feels life the same way. And because not everybody feels life the same way, I notice that, that if we're struggling and you're stressed out and you're worried, those are the moments when it's easy to be disconnected. Those are the moments it's easy to discount what God has given you as a family, whether it's spiritually or naturally. When you're stressed out, it's easy to say, when you're on that river of life, come on, and it ain't, it ain't just floating. Texas, come on, Texas. It ain't just floating with your tube and your sunscreen and your, your boom box with your boys. And your girls celebrating, talking about Texas, come and take it. Yeah. And your cowboy hat. And you're living your best life. When it's a river and there's rapids and rocks, you get hit in life. That's easy to be, dis it's easy to fall out. And so. What I want to talk to you today about is how do you stay connected? How do you stay in? And I'm going to use, I'm going to use my boy Sequoia because he has some thoughts that I thought were interesting. Because I went back and I examined it and I'm like, that's biblical. Homeboy was preaching. Dude had a word on the side of that river with no shirt on. And uh, I'm going to use that as, as a way to give you three ways to stay connected when you just can't. Three ways to stay connected when you just can't. Number one is rule number. Rule number one from Sequoia was this. It was, as he walked up and they say, before we got on the river, he had these rules. He said, number one, you got to work the raft. You got to work the raft. And I'm like, Sequoia, what are you talking about? He said, if you're just trying to float, you won't make it. He said, if you want to enjoy the water, you got to work the raft. He said, the raft is what helps you enjoy the water. If you don't have, I mean, Sequoia was preaching. It seemed basic and elementary. But he said, if you ain't in the raft, you're floating in the water. You're trying to breathe. You're trying to swim. And oh, by the way, there's rocks. And you could be on the same river, but have two different experiences. <laughs> I thought that's interesting that, that, that he would use that as an analogy because I, I, in so many ways, think of the local church as the raft for life. I mean, you have to think about this. I just want you to give you, give you some insight. If you were going to establish one thing in your life before you died and say you were going to build one thing, you were going to work one thing, you were going to do one thing, that would be a big deal, right? You would probably take that seriously if you'd think that would be pretty important. Jesus, you know what Jesus' one thing was? The local church. It was the only thing he said he was going to build. Dramatic pause. Like, 
Not a political party. Not a nonprofit. Not a business. Not a social club. A church. A church. The local church. I gave my life to this thing. By the way, I didn't have to. I know it's like a thing with pastors. They're like, he couldn't do anything else. So he started a church. <laughs> and you meet those pastors and you're like, yeah, bro, you probably should have started a church. I'm not sure you could have done much anything else. That wasn't my story. I, mean, I was going to university. I, had a, I was going to get a degree in political science. I was going to be a politician. I know that sounds like far from what you think I maybe should have been. Like, that makes sense. But I didn't have to do this. I just recognized what God was trying to do in the earth, and I had to be a part of it. Now, I'm not saying you need to be a pastor. I'm not saying you got to come do what I did. In fact, I'd probably try to talk you out of it. Most pastors who plant churches in our city, I'm a church plant coach, so I do it for all, like church planters all around the world. And they come, and, and I'm part of an organization, and I don't know what I'm doing, but they think I know what I'm doing, so I fake it till I make it. And so they, they ask me a bunch of questions. You know the first thing I try to do when I talk to a church planner who's thinking about planting a church? I try to talk them out of it. Because if you can be talked out of it, bro, you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't do it. First rock you hit, you out. And trust me, there's rocks. And so, so I didn't have to do this, but I did it because I recognized God was building a really important family so that people can navigate the things of life. And, and, and I really believe this. I believe your best life is found in the local church. This moniker and this idea and this really cool social media hashtag of I love Jesus, but I don't love his church makes no sense. I've used this before. It would be like you saying you love me and hate my wife. We're not going to be cool. You shouldn't be okay with that. Jesus loves the local church. He died for the local church. He's coming back. Guess what? Guess what he's coming back for? The local church. And so if in my life and in my mind, the raft is the local church and he sends the local church to help us navigate the waters of our faith. Why? To get to our purpose. But you can't navigate the waters of life without a raft. And some of us are floating in the water. I'm telling you, you better get in the raft. You better get in. The rock is coming. You might have made it. You might be a good swimmer, but it's better in the raft. And he said, here's how you stay in the raft. Here's how you work the raft. He said, number one, you anticipate the turns. And I said, what? He said, yeah, because there's going to be a turn and most everybody falls out on turns. I'm like, Sequoia, I don't want to do this with you. You keep talking about people falling out. I want to stay in. And he says, you want to stay in the raft? You got to anticipate the turns. Rough waters make that ha hard. Yeah. And when you go through rough things in life, man, the moment you hit a turn, boom, you're out. Yeah. 
The moment something changes, boom, you're out. The moment you hit a rock, boom, you're out. And by the way, side note, be careful. There's always people on the side, on the shore telling you, yeah, yeah, come on. Yeah, you don't need that raft. Come on. Oh, no, it's better over here on the shores. They ain't doing nothing. They standing on the shore watching everybody. And they look real, real good. And they, oh, yeah, come on. Oh, you fell out? Oh, come on. The church didn't love you anyway. Oh, isn't that just like God? Oh, God don't care. Come on, you got hurt. Come on, come on, come on. Come over here. Come over here. And then you wind up getting on the shore watching everybody else. Wondering what it's like to be in the raft. Why it happened at a turn. When something changed. Something adjusted. And... We got to be careful on the turn. And so here's how we do that here. How do you anticipate turns? Here's what you should do. This is just good in life, but especially for the local church. We look for change and we know it's coming. So we look for change. Like we wait for change. We're looking for it. We're anticipating it. We're waiting for it to happen because we know it's coming. And it's like, yep, 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 yep. You know the number one thing? I was reading a statistic. Like the number one thing of why church members got mad in the 80s and 90s. You don't know what it was? You're going to be so, you're going you're gonna to think it's crazy. You're going to think, past you crazy. You already might already think that, but I'm just going to validate it right now. <laughs> Is that the church changed the bulletins? Some of y'all are like, what's a bulletin? Exactly. <laughs> How many of y'all know what a bulletin was? Y'all know the church bulletin. Y'all grew up with the church bulletin. And in the church bulletin, that was second only to the Bible was the church bulletin. It's where you told everybody's name, everybody who had a birthday, everybody who died, everybody who had a business in the roofing bin. You need a roofer, you get in the bulletin. Am I lying? And if the church, God forbid, ever changed the bulletin format, we split. Pastor don't hear from God. Church lost the Holy Spirit. We don't love Jesus no more because we changed the bulletin. So we started a church that didn't even have bulletins. <laughs> Because I knew I'd make you mad other ways. So it's like, I don't, I'm not even going to give you a reason. We ain't got no bulletin. But we change all the time. All the time we change. You just need to know. And I get it. Nobody likes change. But, you know, baby and wet diapers. Ain't nobody like change. Nobody like change. But you just, I'm just telling you, you better get used to it. You're going to get used to coming in here going like, wow, they changed that again? You're going to be like, they changed that again. Woo! It's awesome. We changing. Change signals progress. Change signals progress. Change is good. We're always going to be a church of change. We started with a startup party. I had 10 people there. I'm glad we changed. Then I had a launch team and the launch team was like 87 people. And then and then we changed. 
And then we launched the church and we had one service. And then we changed and we had two services. And then we changed and then we had three services. We don't even have a building, y'all. This is nonstop change. We straight up Old Testament. This is the tabernacle. We set up, we tear down. I'm praying for the temple. You better be praying for the temple, but it ain't there yet. So it's like, all right, God, what are we going to do next week? We're going to change. So here's, here's the point. We don't, we don't worship methodology. We, 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 we worship theology. We, have, we keep our theology intact, but our methodology, our methods change all the time. Things are going to change all the time. Do not confuse peace with inactivity. Because you think inactivity, we think like, okay, I'm peaceful as long as things aren't changing. That ain't true. Because the people who stand on the sidelines, on the shores of the river, do nothing, get nowhere, don't move down the river, but they're real peaceful. So, so we, we can't be addicted to calm. We can't be addicted. You got, we're, we're got to be. We're going to change. Second thing was, he said, we got to adjust to the bumps. So you anticipate the turns. You adjust to the bumps. He said, you got to adjust to the bumps. Make, a, make the adjustment when, when it gets bumpy. When it gets bumpy. And how, you, how do you do that? How do you adjust to the bumps? You, you take the hit and you adjust accordingly. You take the hit and you adjust accordingly. And I don't want to minimize this because some of us have taken some real hits this last few years. I remember being on the raft and I remember one rock I didn't think would be that big of a deal. And I'm telling you, it, it shook me. Like my spine. Anybody ever get hit and you can feel it in your spine? It, and there are some of us have taken hits like that this year. Last year, the year before. We've taken some real hits and and. I, again, it goes back to, it confuses me because as a Christian, I'm like, I don't understand. God, you were supposed to protect me from that rock. And he's like, no, no, I did. I gave you a raft. I did. I gave you brothers and sisters, and I gave you a pastor, and I gave you a church. I, I, I did. James 1, 2 says, consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face many trials. He's, I thought it was interesting that James would say, when you. He didn't say If. I kind of, my version of been like, you know, if. It's probably not going to happen, but in case Satan just gets one of them through. <laughs> it's when, y'all. It's when. Yeah, you got to settle that in your heart. You're going to hit a bump. You got to learn to take it. Adjust accordingly. I remember my, my wife, we had uh, our third born child. He was Titus. He was 21 weeks. I, rem- I still remember the day that my wife called me and um, I was a pastor at the time and I was like giving more than I've ever given. I was serving more than I've ever served. I was loving God. I was, everything was right. Like I was doing everything a good Christian should do. And I remember thinking like, I'm bulletproof in my life right now. I'm bulletproof in my life right now. I'm bulletproof in my life right now. And then all of a sudden my wife calls me and says, well, I'm bleeding. And then we're in the hospital. I remember sitting in the hospital for a full night thinking I'm about to lose my child, looking up at heaven going, God, this is not what I thought this would be. Has anybody said that recently? That's not what I thought it would be? That didn't turn out. And I just remember God saying, no, no, no. It's not if, it's when. You got you to gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take the hit and adjust accordingly. The greatest Christian life, the greatest Christian life is one of full, it's full of redeemed bumpy moments. It's where God comes in and does his work. It's like God come in and, and work. God does miracles. You know when God does miracles? I know it sounds crazy. When you need a miracle. 
I don't need a miracle for the things that I can control. So if you're in a moment right now where you're out of control and you feel like I can't fix this and I can't do it, well, it sounds like you're in good company. God's going to show up. God's going to show up. Is he though, Pastor? I don't know. No, God's going to show up. You better say it to yourself. You got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, God, you're going to show up. Get a little steel in that backbone. Get a little bit of that faith in your life. Some of us have had, you're too analytical and too theoretical and you're too um, mental with God. You got to have a little bit of spirituality in you. Like I know it's like in vogue to kind of like have a relationship with God, but not be emotional with God. No, you're an emotional being. God gave you that emotion. Some of you, we need to get emotion. You need to get on your knees and cry out to, remember what it was like to cry out to God. Not to convince them to help you, but to cry out and say, God, I need you to show up right now. Right now. Because I just got hit with a bump. Anticipate the turns, adjust to the bumps, work the raft. Number two, he says, follow the guide. I thought this was interesting. Follow the guide. Before we went out in the water, he says, look, look, my number one job. He says, I'm going to keep you safe. I'm going to make you have a great experience, and I'm going to get you to the, to the end. Keep you safe, have a great experience, and I'm going to get you to the end, which, by the way, is every leader's job in the church. That's my job. Keep you safe. Have a great experience while you're here, but my ultimate goal is to get you to your purpose. Get you to the whole reason you got on this raft in the first place. Come on. And, and he was really clear about his role there. I thought it was interesting. Acts 20 says, pay careful attention to yourselves and all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. By the way, he's not talking to all of the church. He's talking to the leaders of the church. So he's talking to me. This is, this is your time to amen. This is, they're getting me. Like, Pastor, you always get us. Now you're going to get yours. This is me. <laughs> Pastors, overseers, leaders in the church to care for the church of God, which he obtained by, with his own blood. That sounds pretty heavy. That sounds pretty valuable. Because if Jesus purchased it with his own blood, that sounds pretty, pretty expensive. That's how valuable the church is to God. The leader's job is not to hinder your fun, not to hinder what you're doing. It's to guide you, to keep you safe. It's to make sure you have a great experience and get you to the end. That's the mission here at, at Rise, is, is uh, reaching people and building lives and making sure you do this. He said one thing, though, as a leader. He goes, so here's what that means as a leader. He goes, let me quantify. I'm like, Sequoia know what he was doing. He said, he said that this is so funny. He goes, paddle how you want. But don't stop and hold it correctly. I'm like, that's, that's good. He said, paddle how you want, but don't you stop and hold it right. And I was like, man, that's like what we do with our gifts in the church. Paddle how you want. Y'all have a different gift. Your gift is different than my gift. My gift is different than your gift. Your gift is different than the person's next to you. The person next to you is different than their gift. Powder how you want. You come in with your own gift, but, 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 but don't stop, and you better hold it correctly. We do certain things here on the raft. 
We bring our gift and we submit, we submit our gift, we submit our gift, we submit our gift, we hand over our gift, we give back our gift, we allow our gift to be used in the manner in which the raft and the leader of the raft has us use it. Paddle how you want, but don't stop. And hold it correctly. I thought Romans 12 says, for it was so good. For just as one of us is one body, has one mem- many members, these members do not all of us have the same function. We're all different. A hand's not the same thing as a foot. Well, duh, Aaron. But we don't always think like that. So in Christ, we, though, through, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others, we have different gifts according to the grace that has been given to us. Which, by the way, for it to be a gift means it was given to you. So you didn't earn it and it ain't yours. So stop acting like you have a gift that you created that you don't even know about my gift. Let me tell you about it. I'm anointed, appointed man of God that was given to you. It was a gift to you. You didn't earn that gift. God handed that to you. So because it was handed to you, you submit your gift. And here's what's so cool. Proverbs 18 says, it says, then the gift makes room for you. You don't make room for your gift. Anybody, any amen? I'll take one. One. Okay, good. Because for a lot of us, we're like, you don't know who you got in this church. I'm big time. My last church, I was the number one singer. That's great at your last church. The one that you didn't like and that you left. So we all come in. Guess what I do? I come in and I submit my gift to the church. Y'all realize that, right? I have a pastor. I have leaders. I can't do If the senior pastor can't come do what he wants with his gift... Can we all just agree the most effective gifts are the submitted gifts? Hello? And so the guide, I noticed, put different people in different areas on the raft because some people had a different gift in the different parts. Y'all see how he was doing it? Sequoia was on it. And it's only a gift if it benefits the whole. So I know that there's really gifted people in this church. Just submit it so it could benefit the whole. That's all. Sequoia knew what he was doing. Last one's this and I'm done. You gotta help others around you, he said. You gotta help others around you. He said, getting, this was so good. I'm like, I almost amend Sequoia on the side of the river. He said this, he said, getting to the end isn't the win. I'm like, that's my win. I wanna live. He goes, no, no, getting to the end isn't the win. Getting to the end together is the win. I'm like, And, and he said this. He said, if somebody falls out, we're going to stop and we're going to get them. And guess what? On that river, somebody fell out. My wife. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I love you, girl. Uh, somebody fell out. We stopped the raft. We stopped everything we were doing. Our gifts were done, being worked. We stopped. Why? Because somebody fell out. And instead of watching them fall out, making fun of them falling out, 
posting a picture. All this. How cool would it have been if I pulled out my phone? Look at that. Man, look at that. They don't know what they're doing. Look at that. You know what I'm saying? They're, they don't know what they're doing. Look at that. Look at that. Look how wrong they are. 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 How jacked up would that have been? But that's what Christians do all the time. We attack our own in the name of God. We embarrass them and ourselves. We forget we're supposed to be on the same team, supposed to be in the same raft. And they fell out. We stopped everything. We dragged them in. I had somebody come up to me the other day, and uh, they had found out that uh, we gave money to a local church plant. And when I say local church plant, I'm talking about like they planted down the road from us. (laughs) Why would you do that? What if he starts a church and people go to that church from your church? I said, oh, so we, we win? Where's the loss? Well, what if they go to their church and they start giving at their church? I, 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 I'm not beholden to one person's tithe and offering. I serve a God of a thousand, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, pays his streets with gold. It would seem like he don't struggle for money. And so we gave him money and then we helped him out. We even showed him how we do things and we gave him our strategies and our systems and they look like a little mini, mini rise church right down the road. I'm like, well, how could we not feel good about that? What are you talking about? You're not my people. This isn't my church. Sounds like God knew what he was doing. I hope he wins. We're going to help him win because it's about getting to the end together, together, together. So if you see somebody fall out, you better get them. We got to win together. My hope, my hope is that if you feel like you're disconnected, you're overwhelmed, I need you to, I need you to hear this. You got to work the raft. You got, you got to work it. You got to work it. You got to work it. You, I'm telling you, there's something, there's something about just, I mean, you got to be in it. You got to be for it. You, you got to make sure you do everything you can to work that raft to make sure you're doing what you can do in the body of Christ, that you, you come submitted with your gift. You come submitted with your gift, submitted, submitted. I'm not the greatest leader, but I promise you, I will do everything I can to help put you in the right position in the right place if you just trust the leadership of this church. I'm not the perfect leader. I might hurt you and might offend you. It won't be intentional, I promise you. But if it happens, I promise you, I'm doing the best I can to keep you in the right position, in the right area. All different roles, all different people, you all have the same value. And at the end of the day, if we work on getting people out of the water and pull them into the raft, more people in the church, more, more people in the church, more people in the church, more people get safely down the river of life. Come on. That's our win here at Rise. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that today, Lord, you are here to speak to us. You've, you've given us a good word. And, and I pray right now, Father, that as, as, we, as we open up um, just our hearts to what you have to say to us, I pray that you would just help us, help us to learn and listen, to heed your word. God, thank you for four years of reaching people and building lives. Thank you for four years of seeing your goodness and your grace and us follow the mission and vision of Jesus Christ. And I pray that we would stay connected to you more and more, even in our stressed out moments.